We're fixing to have us a good day. This is the Locked On Auburn podcast. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined by Painter Sharples of ESPN 106.7. Hey, guy. What's going on, dude? Not much. A little disappointed about how wrong I was. Well, we'll get there. That was an ugly game last time. Before we jump into it, uh, the show is presented by Fetch Me. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. They deliver everything. Stuff from restaurants. Stuff. Food specifically from restaurants. I think they, they can do your grocery shopping for you. They can deliver you coffee, dry cleaning. Whatever you can go and pick up and bring to your house, they, uh, they can do that for you. Or your office or your hotel if you're coming in town. So be sure to uh, check out the good folks at Fetch Me if you're in the Auburn or Opelika area. Once again, Fetch Me 20 uh, promo code fetch me twenty for your first delivery free. That was uh, an ugly game. Auburn wants to be a three point shooting team so bad, so bad. So I understand the frustration of taking the threes. Um, Are you about to whip out some analytics on no, me? No, that was your analytics smile. It, I saw you have one of those. I get why it is because they aren't a good. That's their biggest weakness, and it's very obvious that it's their biggest weakness. But because they are so good at shooting around the basket, and because they do attack the basket so frequently it's part of why they get the free throw line so so often um that they have to take those they have to spread the defense out to the frustration i think of the fan base although last night from three while they were not spectacular they were above their average that's good (laughs) yeah and you know i I say that i say the three point i mean with the way this team plays the 75 points against texas a&m should have been enough for them to win. AM is a bad offensive team right. and a good defensive team. And uh that's I don't know. Just it's confusing. The 12 and a half line 12 and a half point line, that seemed like a lot to me. I did think Auburn was going to win last night, but 12 and a half did seem like a, a a pretty hefty number. I think most people watching this team, most Auburn fans anyway, would say how many times has Auburn pulled away in a game? Mhm. Not a lot. Right. So it's like they have not lost a lot this season, but most of their wins have been close ones, you know, and and it's like I don't – a team that that doesn't shoot the ball well, it's like, you know, you could see them on senior night having gone out there and played really explosively, which is obviously what a lot of people were disappointed about. What would you think about the officiating? Because that's been a hot topic this – this conference season. I get why Auburn fans are upset over it. Right. But it's not just Auburn fans. Like, the whole league's upset. And, and you know, there's been some people like Blake Lovell and Josh Vitale who've highlighted this in more Both detail. Both friends of uh, friends of the program, by the way. There are no SEC officials like there are in football, right? But, yes. Uh, no one has figured out how to officiate this league. And it's problematic. And actually, in, in a weird way— Is it just an SEC thing, though? I think there's a... Or is it a college basketball issue? The college basketball... There are so many games that finding that many quality refs is probably difficult, I'm sure, logistically. But the SEC has like statistically got a higher rate of fouls disproportionately than every oh, other really? conference. So while it is probably an, an issue that needs to be addressed, and some of it's like, this is impossible. Mm-hmm. Like We're watching things in slow motion. So as much as I want to like get on the refs for not having like a singular way to... But not all of it is impossible. I mean, the the foul that was Auburn was called for against Kentucky, where Auburn legitimately just did not touch the guy, like that's ridiculous. Yeah, the, some of the reach fouls, especially on like rebounds, it, you know, I get it to an extent, and uh, I don't know what to say. Like, if I'm the NCAA, I don't know how 
to, to make this problem better, but it is a problem. And so, like, I have nothing to offer, but I can say that it is it is worsening the product. All right. I want to talk about what I thought was the most interesting tweet of the night last night. Oh. <laughs> Tom Green tweeted it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. It's from TomGreenAvail.com, at Thomas underscore Verde, if you're interested. He's a friend of the program. Javon McCormick's family are all wearing custom hoodies with his number five with the wizard across the back. <laughs> Where is this been? <laughs> and what makes him a wizard? Uh, the shot he made at the end of the game that was objectively not a good shot, but it went in. Uh, I wondered what Coach Pearl said to him. I think that Coach Pearl might have been frustrated by how much time they let go off the clock in under like the last 20 seconds. Why, I think, why didn't he cast a spell and add more time to the clock? I think he did. It went in. He had had no business. That was a, like a super contested three. And Can he, he cast a spell more then? I guess the dude has been clutch at the end of games for that, what it's worth. That's, um, I think that is the 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 I think that's the best <laughs> takeaway from what his senior season has been. It is, is good at the end of games. It has been uh, that is a that is a funny nickname. Would you ever look at Javon McCorbett and be like, "Oh, the wizard"? Yeah. No, you wouldn't. I don't have anything to add, but I'm very happy that someone noted this before the season was over. Yeah. So thank you, Tom. Ugh. The wizard. Gosh. I mean, it's just, to me, that has a little bit of sexual, like, undertones to it. No. no. So I think it's funny. Why? <laughs> <laughs> the wizard. Okay. All right. Leaving that alone. Leaving that alone. I'm I'm pumped for uh, I'm pumped for Auburn football's pro day tomorrow. So this is not a thing that I get super into. It's something that like you're you know I, this is just something that does not move the needle much for me. Yeah. Um, this year more so though. Like it is Auburn over the last two years has had a noticeable uptick in its participation. Sure. Um, and this year they've got some really quality guys. I don't think it will happen, but. You, we have now seen mock drafts with Marlon Davidson and Noah Igbenogany in the first round. Again, Mar I don't. Marlon's getting. I haven't seen Marlon in the first. Okay, I, I assume it was late first. Yeah, but I mean, either way, it's like clearly those guys are probably uh, clearly probably that's a little bit of a contradiction. But clearly, I clearly probably. I think it's safe to say those guys are early second day guys at the worst. Sure. And at the best, like a team thinks the upside is worth it. The worst take I've seen this week is. The pro football focus analyst. Ooh, this was good. Who decided Derek Brown um, couldn't rush the passer? Yeah, that and was his logic that was the was, take. That was the take. And I, I, I think his logic is okay as far as do you want to take a defensive lineman who can't rush the passer in the first round? Like I get that, but he said Derek Brown. Have you watched him play? <laughs> he destroys the pocket no Don't matter what. Overthink it. Yeah, uh, he you, knows right. unquestionably. More. I don't know who this guy is. I know he's working for Pro Football Focus, and he's watching offensive linemen. So he, they clearly, while you can, you know, these guys are giving their own grades, so it's not complete science. But there are people that know what they're watching. Yeah, but it's also like, dude, come on, come yeah. On. It's like to say that Derek Brown has no effect on the pocket and no effect on the pass rush is ridiculous. I mean, he, he's been a consensus top ten pick. Other, you know, people have him anywhere between like four. And but man, there's there's so much draft media out there now. I mean, there's there are countless. A, yeah, it's a I huge. used to have one, and like, what you have to hot take it to get any kind of traction. The thing that's crazy to me is like, you're pro football focused. You don't need you don't to need do that. <laughs> and also, at the end of the tweet. There was the money sign. They're like, we need you to pay for this. You got to pay for us to diss Derek Brown. 
Did you notice that? I did not. Yeah, it was like that it was like a it, it was like a pre- that makes it worse, right? You want to pay for these takes? <laughs> you want to pay for these hot takes? No, I'll just go to first take. I'll go to undisputed. Go to Twitter. Yeah. You don't pay for hot takes. You pay for like deep analysis or content you can't get anywhere else. And I was like, Pro Football Focus, you are you are better than that. You are above that. <laughs> but I, I get his point. Like, do you want to take a defensive tackle that can't rush the passer in the first round? Yes, but that's not Derek Brown. Derek Brown could do anything. He's let's call him the wizard. One of the best prospects in the class. Anything could happen. I'm sure. Like it's not impossible. He could drop out of the top ten certainly, but. Would, I mean, it seems like it seems unlikely he'll be behind like the eighth pick. Pretty much every mock I've seen him as seven up. Mm-hmm. And again, like weird stuff happens. Daniel Jones went what six last year, right? So stuff that was bizarre. Stuff like that does happen where you're like, all right. But at the end of the day, the idea of him dropping another basically twenty five spots is laughable. Derek Brown met with the Patriots at the combine. <laughs> there was like one of their formal meetings with with uh, with, with Derek Brown, and I'm like, please. I don't know how it would how happen. How he would drop that far. That would be the most... I would cry. That would be the most Patriots thing for a bunch of teams to be like, we're going to pass up on this yeah, guy. Yeah, like, can you play quarterback? Because <laughs> all we have is Jared right now, big and I don't fan, feel great about it. Big fan of... Uh, yeah, we were talking about that. Like, want him to succeed, but also stop throwing interceptions when you go in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mop-up duty. Like, you don't have to do too much. <laughs> Whatever. Joe uh, Joe Brady says don't compare him to Tom Brady. Wait, Joe Burrow. Joe Brady is a different human being. The guy who is a handsome quarterback. And to Joe Burrow, I tell you this. I will blow up any comparison I want of you, you handsome devil. <laughs> I, I have six weeks until the draft. Uh, I've got to get these takes out here. Okay. Tom Brady, two point. I don't think that, but I know he's a lot of people do. He actually went on TV and was like, please stop doing that. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to, I, That's I don't need pressure. that. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> what are some guys that, uh, that you're excited to see get an opportunity? Not necessarily because you think they're going to get drafted high or anything like that, but just kind of, you've seen them kind of keep their head down and grind at Auburn and you kind of want them to get rewarded for it. My guy, Spencer and I, friend of the program, the Swiss army and I, I think, uh, you look at, you look at what Chandler Cox did. Chandler Cox got drafted a year ago, and so uh, I think Spencer Knight has a chance to be a late round pick or a, a, a you know an undrafted free agent, just because it's it's clear that the NFL likes the guys who play that type of a role in Auburn's offense. For me, it's likely one of the safeties. You know, like even if they're undrafted free agents, I'd love to see like Daniel Thomas or Denson have a really nice pro day and go on to have some semblance of a career because both those guys had uh, good stories and were great contributors to, to Auburn's team and this defensive rise they've had in the last few seasons. Yeah, Jeremiah is going to be fun to watch. I think he's going to be kind of going all out uh, at Auburn's pro day. I think he's going to be, I don't know, I, I bet there's going to be a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I wonder if he's surprised that Daniel Thomas got the look at the combine but not him. I, uh, I wonder what that feels like. And Jack Driscoll, like, I'm curious just to see what happens because he graded out well in some areas of the game. But White Lightning? <laughs> Second fastest offensive lineman? That, that is funny. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. We're in like a 5-1 or something. That's booking it. And, like, I expect Prince to have a nice career. Like, you expect Marlon to, to have a nice career, you know, but, like, what like can Jack stay in the league? Can he get a second contract? Same thing like can Daniel Thomas or Jeremiah Denson just make a roster? Like can they stick around for a few years? That'd be really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I, I don't know if they'll have good days. I don't know how that will work out, but I'm I am rooting for them from a distance. Right. Right. So we've talked a little bit about spring. We've already kind of looked ahead to spring practice starting. Thank goodness. Yeah, we need it. Who are some guys? Who are some guys that you're excited to see? Maybe some newcomers or guys that have not started yet in their time at Auburn. Who are some guys that you think have a lot to gain from spring this uh, this this upcoming month? I'm not the first person to say this, but Colby Wooden, like the defensive line, is going to be a big part of the conversation with what they're losing. And is, he, is he a defensive end or a buck? An end. Okay. So, I you know I. I can't say that I am. It sounds like people are are expecting him to fill in admirably, and I am really curious to see how this defensive line looks because I I think it, Rodney Gardner and Kevin Seal have proven it's going to be fine. Like I, I'm not worried about it being bad. Yeah. But last year, that defensive line. Think about how close the season was, and in large part because of that unit and the defense at, at large. It, the The season is totally different if Florida does not connect on. Uh, pass on the first offensive play of the game for the Gators, mm-hmm. and if Jake Fromm doesn't hit a Georgia receiver for fifty something yards, like they probably have one loss on the year to the national champions. Wow, that is crazy. So, uh, having a defensive line like that that clearly held up the best of any team against LSU. I mean, they throttled everyone all year long. That's not insignificant, even if the defensive line is really good, and it it will be. I mean, I'm I'm. Confident in telling you right now that every year Rodney Gardner and Kevin Steele have done this, the defensive line has been good. So that's that's not my issue, but it was elite last year. It was, and I think it's going to take a step back to some extent. I mean, it almost would have to. If it doesn't, I think it'd actually be a shocker, and I, you kind of wonder like, who's going to be the guy stepping up. But, yeah, with Truesdale, I mean, I, I'm really interested to see who's going to be next to him and a lot of the, the snaps. I'm kind of Team Connus Miller. I think he is going to be a freak this year. I think he's going to have a, a huge, huge season. And so, in order for that to to come to fruition, it he's going to have to have a good spring. Yeah, you cool with that. That's all I got. Sweet. I can't help you anymore, Sweet. man. Do you think there's going to be a change up at all as far as playing time with the linebackers? You didn't lose anybody, but do you think Owen Papo can surpass some of the guys that were in front of him last year? Yes. Really. I mean, I, I don't. So who, who's the guy out? If there's two linebackers on the field, like and, and Owen Papo's like hardly ever leaves the field. Is it is it him and Zacoby? To be fair, I would have to an- to answer this question more honestly. I would have to look at how they did the snaps last year. But it's hard. Like he remind. We're all focusing on Isaiah Simmons right now because it's like whoa, that guy is a freak in a lot of different ways. And sure. Owen Papo has some of that. I think now. Uh, I'm not going to compare him to Isaiah Simmons in the same way. I don't know if we've ever quite seen someone with that size and speed. It's it is truly impressive what he did at the combine. However, uh, maybe he moves to safety at the next level. I don't know. It's just hard to imagine him not being on the field like as much as possible. So to answer your question, I think it'd be fair to for, for me first to look at like the snap count last year. But can you imagine him not being on the field the majority of the time? Uh, no, I can't. I can't. Auburn just has so many linebackers, and he's and he's so athletic. And the way they they so the way they talk about his work ethic is, yeah, uh, it's exciting when someone is clearly that talented and also simultaneously that motivated. Right. I would love to see it if if he played nickel some. Just like, what does that look like? Because that's probably what he's going to be doing at the next level. And he's certainly quick enough. Like, could you move Christian Tut to the outside and put him there? Like, that'd be fun. That'd be fun to watch. 
I, I don't have a direct answer for, you know, who moves down in the pecking order if, if it matters. I trust the way Travis Williams has rotated. I mean, they did such an incredible job after losing Deshaun Davis. Uh, the, every, I mean, I think they got better. They did. I think the linebackers last year was the best linebacking core I've seen in Auburn in a long time. And like Britt, I mean, goodness gracious, that guy's a run stuff. (laughs) Downhill and chainsaw, yep. Uh, And Zacoby McLean sort of stole the show at the end of the season there. So, like, to answer your question, I don't have an answer. How about that? That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. That's good podcasting and radio. I think so. I think so. It's like like, let's make the takes as cold and as calm as possible. You know what? Maybe. I stole that from another show, but that's about what I did right there. Okay, that's fine. As long as you admit you stole it, it's fine. Thievery. Um, you love Seth Williams. Yeah. You love him a lot. You loved him before everyone else did. I'm going to give you that. That's fair. Uh, I appreciate it. I think, uh, God, I hope he goes pro and has a great career. What do you think is more likely? Yeah. He takes even another step forward. Maybe uh, maybe eclipses 1,000 yards. Maybe even gets eleven or 1,200 this year. Or... Somebody else steps up, and there is a solid number two on Auburn's offense. Both. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Let's just don't give any opinions here. I'm fired up. No, seriously. I think he could be a 1,000-yard receiver with the way that they're going to throw the ball okay. this year, assuming that, and the way I believe it, what it sounds like is that this is Chad Morris's offense, and it will be more updated to what – I'm not out here saying Joe Brady's going to be calling plays, and they're going to. it's going to look like LSU next year, but I think – it will be more of what Auburn fans have been clamoring for, especially in the passing game. And I think that simply gives other people more opportunity. And you, your passing production all returns. Like, you brought back your young quarterback right, and all your wide receivers. I mean... Who is it? Who's number two? I'm going to go Matthew Hill. I mean, to me, that makes the most sense. You know, I read something on a message board yesterday that they're mm-hmm. considering moving him to safety. Have you heard that at all? I haven't. That may just be a message board thing, but... Wouldn't that be fascinating? That would be a crazy, crazy move. Well, that would really shoot my theory in the uh, in the foot. Yeah, I'd be very, very wrong if they did that. I don't understand where he's been. Like, I just don't like. Why is he not on the field more? Yeah, it does sort of like I said this same thing going in, like basically this time last year. Yeah, and was incorrect. So and I and you kept kind of feeling like, oh, when Schwartz missed some time, it's like, all right, he's got a chance now. And then just it never, it never happened. It would be wild if he moved. And like uh, Auburn fans, I think, will be really upset if that happens. And I'm curious to see Javarius Johnson. I think he was a four-star when he signed. I believe he was a freshman. Uh, let me check and see if he redshirted. You love him, too. Small guy. Reminds me of Ryan Davis. Okay. And You think he'll intern here as well? I hope. <laughs> Ryan was a good intern. Lunch <laughs> break. Great. It was great. <laughs> All right. Where can people find you and hear you, buddy? Thanks for having me on. 11 to 1, ESPN 106.7. Check out the lunch break with Justin Ferguson. He uh, he gives better takes than me. I like to think I have more fun. So you can listen <laughs> from 11 to 1 on the podcast when you're done listening to Locked On Auburn podcast. And just because you guys are well-rounded listeners, Locked On Ole Miss, wherever you get your podcast. How about that? Love it. Love it. That is Painter Sharpless. I'm Zach Blackerby on Twitter, at Z Blackerby. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.